You know, as you press into worship, that's usually when you hear the voice speak, the voice of the Lord speak about several things. And I'll tell you the word, the Lord gave me a few words during worship. And the first one was, you know, this has been, it's been, this has been named Reboot, Restart. And I think that is uh, going to be true for a lot of us. There's a sense of which we're going to get kind of a rebooting, restarting in our, in our life and ministry the time we're done tomorrow. But the word the Lord gave to me was to add to the title, and that is that it's also, this is going to be a launching pad. And, and there's three particular words the Lord gave me, and that is a launching pad for mountain movers, earth shakers, and ministry releasers. Mountain movers, there's, there's, I just believe the Lord's going to release the, the gift of faith as we lay hands on people tomorrow. I think a number of them are going to be people that are part of the prayer teams. God's going to be releasing on even on them the leaders this gift of faith to move mountains. The other is earth shakers. I think the Lord is going to release people into other nations from this group. And also the, the third one is ministry releasers. Some of you who have been ministering a certain gift, let's take prophetic ministry, for example. As you've been ministering in that gift, I think the Lord wants to launch you into releasing that gift into others. So there's several gifts that, you're, that people are functioning that the Lord is going to uh, enable you to impart those gifts. It's not automatic that, you might, that when you have something, you can give it away. It's not automatic to be able to have a gift of impartation. And, but I think the Lord wants to release that. Some of you are going to be able to release ministries as, as a result of our ministry time uh, tonight and tomorrow, particularly tomorrow. And uh, I just praise God he's going to do that. This is going to be a rebooting, a restarting, but also a launching. Also, I want you to think, some of you who have been in ministry leadership for decades, we're going to be talking about some things that are, that are simple in one sense, but the Lord is going to take us deeper, deeper in understanding and deeper in experience. And so automatically when you hear these things, don't think, well, I've heard this, I've heard these thoughts before, I've heard this before. I want you to think about what is God saying to you now? Now, there's going to, there's, he wants to take us all deeper in these things we're going to talk about today and tomorrow morning. So, Father, we thank you for that. <clears throat> we thank you that you have brought us here. We're not here by coincidence, that you set this up, that you have something you want to do in all of us and you want to do through us. And there's something you want to do that's way beyond the walls right here at this building. Something you want to do that's going to touch nations because of this meeting and tomorrow's meeting. Lord, you are, you are, there's a launching that you're doing. And Lord, we just ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. I want to start off by reading what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 9. This is the words of Jesus. And by the way, he is in the room. He's here. And here's what he's saying through Luke 11, verse 9. I say to you, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will 
be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it will be opened. That's not just some time for some people, okay? Jesus says, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Of course not. Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? Of course not. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, not might, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you're hungry, you've come to this meeting because you're hungry for more God, you're not going to be disappointed. You can't be. You won't be disappointed. I encourage you to be here tomorrow and uh, let's see what God is going to do. Now, in the book of Acts, they asked... And they receive. They ask, expecting to receive. And they receive. Now, why did they ask? And why did they ask, expecting to receive? So I think in order for us to get what, what they got, we've got to start where they started. We've got to know what they knew. We've got to do what they did. That's what this meeting is going to be about tonight and tomorrow. So we need to back up. We want to back up and make sure that we all start. We're starting in the right place. I think, I think if you don't start in the right place, you can't get where you need to get. So it's helpful to start and just kind of review that the end of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of the book of Acts overlap. Actually, they're both written by Luke. It's kind of volume one and volume two, really, of Luke. But the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts overlap. And I want us just to read the end of Luke, and then I want to read the beginning of the book of Acts. I want you to see the similarities. So let's just just follow along here. Luke 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds, he, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, "Thus, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, get a picture of this. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. Now let's read the first part of Acts and see how this overlaps, see if you notice the overlap. Acts 1, starting in verse 3. To these he, Jesus, also presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, 
appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs or dates, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part, part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and the cloud received him out of their sight. So you notice the similarities between these two accounts. They both conclude with the ascension of Christ, with the disciples then returning to Jerusalem to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to notice you know, four truths from these early verses in the book of Acts. And these are real simple, but it's real crucial that we see this. Four important stages in the lives of these first century followers of Christ. The first stage was this. Number one, Jesus chose them. Jesus chose them, Acts 1-2. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So these disciples were chosen by Christ. They were not self-appointed. They were not appointed by another human being. They were not appointed by a committee. They were not even appointed by a church. They were directly and personally chosen and appointed by Christ. It's the first thing I want you to notice. Number two, second stage, Jesus showed himself to them. Acts 1-3 says to these, these disciples, he also presented himself alive after his suffering. So he's, he's resurrected by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. So Jesus suffers, he dies, he's resurrected, and then he shows himself to his followers. He shows himself. He gives many convincing proofs that he's alive. And he did this off and on for some 40 days. So during this time, he appeared to them. I want you to just picture this. He appears to them. He speaks to them about the kingdom. Would you have loved to have been in some of those meetings? He eats with them. He touches them. They touch him. He presents himself to their senses. He presents himself to their senses, their eyes, their ears, their touch. He, he presents himself to them. He shows himself to them. Third truth, third stage. Jesus commissions them. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. So there are to be witnesses now to Jerusalem, to the city, to Judea, this area, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So they're given the great commission. They're given this commission in more than one way. We know this also in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and 
on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the ethnos, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he commissions them. Fourth stage. He promises them, he promises them Holy Spirit power. Again, Acts 1a, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What for? So you can be my witnesses for that commission, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and most parts of the earth. So again, this is simple stuff, guys, but I just want you to follow with me. He chose them. He revealed himself to them. He commissioned them, and he gave his Holy Spirit to them. Now, there's no doubt that the apostles, capital A, apostles, were unique in the fact that they were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ. They're unique in the spiritual authority for them to even write the scriptures. There is a uniqueness to these apostles, no doubt about it. They had a very high calling. But there's a secondary sense that all disciples of Jesus can claim these same things. In fact, we must claim these and believe these. We must believe that he chose us. We must believe that he commissioned us. We must believe that he is promising us Holy Spirit power. So he chose us, he revealed himself to us, he commissions us, he promises Holy Spirit power. We must believe that. So I think one of the reasons some people have a problem receiving from the Holy Spirit is they don't believe that. See, if you don't believe that, you're going to have a hard time moving forward. So let's go through that. He chose you. He, Jesus, chose you. Do you believe it? Now, I don't know how much you believe it, but I hope it's deeper now. Before this night's over, I hope it goes deeper. He chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we be holy and blameless before him. Before the foundation of the world, he had you in mind. Think about that. He had you on his mind before he created the universe. He had you on mind. He had you in mind to make you. He had you on mind to choose you. Second Thessalonians 2.13, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. I'll tell you, it's, I, I think we've got to let that sink in. Every time I think of God choosing me. I, 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 it takes me back to childhood of a time when we had an empty lot down the street, and that's where we played all the games, kickball, stickball. Everybody met, the neighborhood met down at the empty lot, and we had some game. We didn't have, we didn't have video games back then. You know, we just, we, that's how we did, that's what we did. We played outside every day. And we'd go out there, so whatever the game was, but it was always the same. It was always the two biggest guys became team captains somehow. Two big, strong, handsome guys, and all of us little kids are hoping they'll pick us. And one time, one summer, a couple of college guys were home, and so they showed up, and automatically college guys are captains, you know. And I guess I was probably junior high or fifth or sixth grade. I just remember thinking, I hope he picks me, I hope he picks me, I hope he picks me. He doesn't, I know he doesn't even know me. 
He doesn't even know my name. So he's picking people, you know, I take him, I take him, I take him, I take him. You know, this works, right, captains? And finally, there's down just a couple guys left, and I still haven't been picked. And I'm thinking, please pick me, please pick me. And finally, this big old, um, this guy that was kind of to me was just bigger than anything. I mean, he was just, he looked at me and said, and I'll take little Hutch. And I thought, he knows my name. Not only does he know my name, he picked me. He wants me on his team. Well, think about who picked you. Think about who chose you. He chose you. He chose you. So, I mean, all those feelings of unworthiness, you know, that, we, that you know, the devil piles on us all the time, just let them fall off of you. I mean, he made you worthy. He chose you. Christ makes you worthy. Just let that sink in. He chose you. Believe it. You've been chosen by God to be on his team. He chose you. So this is the first truth I believe that's crucial for us to believe if we're going to fulfill our calling. See, if, if we struggle with that, it's going to be hard to fulfill our calling. It's hard to believe that God's going to pour his spirit out on me and use me if I don't even believe he chose me. But he chose you. He chose you. Second stage. He revealed himself to you. I mean, you are a follower of Christ today because he chose you and then he decided to reveal himself to you. He revealed himself to you. You didn't come, you didn't come to Christ on your own. He decided to reveal himself to you. John 6, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'll raise him up in the last day. So that means God the Father decided, I'm going to draw you, you, you. you. I'm going to draw you to my son. I am going to reveal my son to you. God the Father decided to do that for you and for me. John 14, verse 21, Jesus says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So the Father decides to draw you, and Jesus decides to disclose himself to you. That's why you're here tonight. That's why you're watching on live stream. That's why. Because God the Father decided to choose you and draw you. Jesus revealed himself to, to you. I mean, can you think of a time in life when you were being like drawn? Do you remember a time before you really repented and believed? Do you remember a time you were being drawn? You were being wooed and you were being convicted and you were, but you, you hadn't yet repented yet. You remember that time? So for some of you, it might've been a short period of time. For some of you, it might've been a long period of time. Some of us are more stubborn. But do you remember that time? I remember that time. I mean, the first time it hit me, I was 12 years old sitting in a Catholic church. And I looked up at that crucifix. And I was told, I just looked around the room. And I looked up at that crucifix and I thought, Jesus, would you come off that cross and talk to me? And then I remember 15, when I was 15, I had a motorcycle. And I'd drive out into the woods. And I was just and all by myself. And I'd take my helmet off. And I would say, okay, God, here I am. Why don't you just come and talk to me? I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about what a Christian was, really. I'm just, but I just knew he was real, and I just wanted to talk to him. 
And I kept driving my motorcycle in the woods, and I'd take my helmet off, and I'd sit by myself and say, no one's around. Why don't you come talk to me? What I didn't realize then was all that was happening in me because he was initiating it. I wasn't initiating it. I was being drawn. You know, and I'm just responding. And eventually in college, you know, I finally get it all, and I, and I repent and believe. And, but he was, he was revealing himself to me. So he chose you. He revealed himself to you. Thirdly, he commissioned you. Again, go therefore and make disciples of all the ethnos, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. I mean, he's, he's the one. He commissioned you. By the way, I don't, I don't think if you, if, you know, if you don't believe you have a commission, I don't think you really have that sense how much you need the Holy Spirit power. See, that's why I think we've got to know what they knew. I've got a commission. I need power. I need, if I'm going to go to other nations or I'm going to go even across the street, I'm going to speak to people. I need Holy Spirit power. But if you don't even believe you have a commission, what do you need power for? You know, just have a good meeting. And so you have been given a mission. You have a mission. Christ commissions you. Now, some of you, you know, might be off mission somewhat because of disappointment or woundedness or discouragement. And I don't want to down play anybody's pain that they've gone through. But I'm telling you if, you, if there's something you need healing from, then be about it and get back on mission. You've got a mission. Don't let anybody get you or anything get you off your mission. You say, well, I don't feel qualified for my mission anymore. My response to that is, well, what qualified you in the first place? Well, his grace, well, his grace hasn't changed. He appointed you. You did not appoint yourself. Receive that. You did not appoint yourself. He appointed you. He made you worthy. You didn't earn it. He commissioned you. And he gave you a calling that is, remember his gifts and callings are irrevocable? He gave you a calling. And he's not taking it back. And he promised us Holy Spirit power to do ministry. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. I just want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that you are part of that band of disciples. I want you to imagine that you were with Jesus for three years. Just imagine what that would have been like, hearing him teach and watching him heal, watch him raise the dead, feed the 5,000. Imagine that. And then imagine that you were there when they arrested him. And you were there when they crucified him. But then imagine you were there when he showed up alive three days later. Then imagine that 40 days he keeps appearing and teaching you about the kingdom. And it's like, what a class that was. And then he takes you out to this hill and he prays this blessing after giving you this great commission and then you watch him go into the sky. Imagine you're there for a moment and then he disappears into the clouds as you're still looking up and then, you know, an angel breaks your concentration and says, what are you doing looking up here? 
Didn't he say to go wait in Jerusalem? Oh, yeah, the mission, the mission. That's right. And so you make the 20-minute walk back to Jerusalem. What are you going to do next? What would you do next? Where would you go? What would you do? Well, Jesus said not many days from now. He never told them when it was going to happen. He said not many days from now. You're going to be baptized with Holy Spirit power for this mission. So what would you do? Well, we know what they did. Luke tells us what they did, first of all. The end of the gospel, Luke, let me read it to you again. Luke 24, verse 50 through 53. He led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. See, a lot of people understand the upper room part, but they were continually in the temple doing what? Praising God. Blessing God. Then Acts 1.14, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. This was in the upper room. So there was this combination. I want you to see a combination. There's this combination of continuous praise and continuous prayer going on. But I want you to notice, I want to look at these three characteristics again. This is key because I want to encourage you to spend some time doing this when you leave here tonight. Before you go to bed, I want to encourage you to do this before you show up tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow morning, we're going to launch in doing this. All right? First thing is they had passionate praise. It was passionate. You know, they were continually in the temple praising God. You know, you could translate this. They were celebrating, celebrating God with praises. They were blessing God. I mean, there is nothing, there's no like apathetic church meeting here. I mean, this is all out passionate Praise with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. They're worshiping. There's no going through the motions here. There's no no marking time. They're passionate. They're not thinking about what's going to happen after the meeting. They're not making their grocery list. I mean, this this is like, we've got to find you. We've got to seek you. We've got to be with you kind of worship. Again, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So I just urge you, urge you, you know, if you want to maximize what you're going to receive, and for many of you, I think there's going to be a gift of impartation, then seek him with all your heart and find him. Seek him with all your heart and find him. James 4, verse 8, draw near to me and he'll draw near to God, he says, and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. God will reciprocate. By the way, I think here's a mistake a lot of people make is they think they hear somebody talk about their relationship with God and and, they, and it sounds so spectacular, they're kind of rolling their eyes going, you know, this, this isn't real. What they're doing is they're judging that person's testimony based on their relationship. And because they haven't experienced what they're hearing, they go ahead and roll their eyes about what they're hearing. Well, maybe they're not drawn so near to God, and maybe God's not drawn so near to them. And they're not experiencing what they're experiencing. Here's what I think happened, and I can't, I do want to, you know, I think we're going to know the answer right when we see Christ. We're going to not have any why questions, but one of the conversations I want to have with somebody in heaven is with Enoch. You know, Enoch walks with God for 300 years. 
Just think about this. 300 years of drawing close to God, God drawing close to you. Draw closer to God, he draws closer to you. Draw closer to God, he draws closer to you. For 300 years. And God finally just says, if you're going to get any closer, I'm going to take you right into heaven. That's my theory. I want to ask him about it when I get there. But passionate praise and adoration preceded the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you do any study of revivals, Great Awakening, uh, First and Second Great Awakening, you'll, you'll, you'll trace all these revivals, whether it's in America or other countries, you'll trace it back to a group of people passionately worshiping. It might just be a small group of people, but it, it gets God's attention. I think it's an amazing story in Acts 16 where there's a small group of women on a riverbank outside of Philippi. And God takes his apostolic van and drags them across the country of Turkey. He says, don't even stop to talk to anybody. Don't even share the gospel. We can talk. Get all the way across the sea. Get to that riverbank because they got my attention. These passionate worshipers got my attention. And I got to tell you, I'm taking my A team. And I got to get them there as fast as possible. Passionate praise and adoration precede the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It always does. You know, I, I love the story of Elisha the prophet in 2 Kings 3.15. You know, he's, uh, he's asked to give a prophetic word. What's interesting is he doesn't just give a prophetic word. He's asked to give a prophetic word. He decides he's willing to be used by God to, that, to do that. And here's what happens, 2 Kings 3.15. He says this, Elisha, Elisha, Elisha says this, Now bring me a minstrel. Bring me a minstrel. And it came about when the minstrel played. What do you think is happening right there? I'll tell you what. I'd be willing to bet the farm that he's like, bring, bring me a minstrel. So I, I just need to press it into God right now. It came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. See, that's what is good. That's what releases ministry, when the Holy Spirit, the hand of the Lord comes on us. And so then what happens? And then it says, he said, now the prophecy starts to flow. Thus says the Lord, make the valley full of trenches. And he goes on with his prophetic word. You know, I've, asked, I've had people ask me to give a prophetic word, and, I, and I, I'm saying, I don't carry it around in my pocket. I said, but, you know, you know there's, there's times where it just happens. But I got to press into God. I press into God, and I'm there. All of a sudden, words start coming. And then the hand of the Lord comes on me, and he'll come on you too. This is, but it's the key that we are people that are pressing into him. If we want to receive from him and be used by him. So that same power is available to us today. Amen? Amen. Do you all believe that? Yes. The same power is available to us today. It happened on the day of Pentecost. It's happening again and again all around the world. So they're so filled with the fullness of God that they're overwhelmed with the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of the love of God. And they just, they begin to speak his greatness of his greatness. Acts chapter 2, we'll get to that tomorrow. It just, it just pours out. You know, part of that worship is this prophetic, this prophetic aspect of praise that's going on. It's, it's awesome. So anyways, I'd urge you tonight to spend some time doing that. You know, we've been doing it tonight already, but I'd encourage you to just 
take a, you know, get somewhere where, you know, just get with God for about an hour or something. Just go after nearness with God. The second thing we notice about the way they prayed is unified intercession, Acts 1.14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Again, these all with one mind. There's unity here. We're continually devoting themselves to prayer. Now we know from the next verse, we know from the next verse, Acts 115, there was 120 people in the upper room. 120. So they pray with one mind, one purpose, one impulse. So they're asking the Lord. Now they're worshiping, but now they're also asking for something. What do you think they're asking for? But Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to empower you for this ministry. So what do you think they're asking for? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a pretty safe guess that that's what they're asking for? Now, if you were in a 10-day prayer meeting, by the way, they didn't know it was going to be 10 days. There's, no, that we, we, there's nowhere that gives us insight that they knew it was going to be 10 days. But they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to fill them for this 10-day prayer meeting day after day. And, you know, I think that they're reminded of what Jesus taught them. Again, Luke 11, let's read it again. Now, suppose one of you, verse 11, one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish, you will not give him a snake, or instead of a fish, will he? Ask for an egg, you won't give him a scorpion. If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think they're now asking. They're asking. They're asking for that Holy Spirit power to come upon them so they can do the mission that they believe they've been given. But I'm so glad that Jesus says what he says here in Luke 11. Because I don't know how many times I've, have, you know, Christians come to meetings like this and they're like fretting like, I don't know if he's going to come through and give me this, you know, give me what I'm asking. And I'm like, wait a second. I mean, you got kids? Yeah, I got kids. If they ask you for a fish, would you give them a snake? No way. Then how much more? If you're evil compared to God, how much more is he going to give you what you're asking for? He'll do it. Well, I believe they're now asking. They're all in agreement. They're praying in one accord. They're asking for Holy Spirit power to do the mission. You know, and, and so, so many people, I think, don't ask for Holy Spirit power because, again, they don't really believe they're on a mission. What do you need Holy Spirit power for? Just I go to work. I come home, watch TV. Then I go to work, come home, watch TV. Then Sunday morning, I get up and get the kids ready, go to church. Then we go to lunch. What do I need Holy Spirit power for? See, when you realize, no, I've got a, I got a mission. I need Holy Spirit power to do this mission. So they all, they believe it. That's what I'm saying. We've got to start where they start. We've got to believe this. So we understand how much we need this power. So they're in agreement. I think they probably remember what Jesus said also in Matthew 18, verse 19 and 20. Remember, Jesus said, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done. But then by my Father who is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. So they're gathered in Jesus' name. They're in agreement. Do you think they're pretty confident that it's going to happen? I mean, they got, they got, first of all, they got the promise from Jesus that if you ask 
My Father for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give him to you. Then he got the promise of Jesus, if two or three of you gather together in my name, whatever you agree about and ask, I'm going to do it. So don't you think there's a lot of expectation there? So they got passion of praise. They got unified intercession. And we're going to do that tomorrow morning. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to say some things in agreement with expectation. And I, just, I, and I just think this expectation is going to build. And expectation needs to build. Because faith rises up. People sometimes say, how come you're not? People go to a conference across the country and first strum a guitar. It's like the anointing falls. And how come it doesn't happen every Sunday morning? And I say, if we would show up every Sunday morning like they show up at that conference, it'll happen every Sunday morning. So it's all about our expectancy and our faith and our hunger. God responds to hunger and thirst. If people come and they're totally disconnected and nonchalant and apathetic, I mean, that's just, just not going to happen. That does not, you know, that does not draw the power of God. Okay, the third, third aspect of their prayer was it was persistent. Acts one fourteen. these with all one mind were continually, continually devoting themselves to prayer. So they weren't only united in their intercession, they were persistent. Again, think about this is a 10-day prayer meeting. And what I know about just human nature, I just can't help but believe that somewhere about by, by day nine, some people finally weren't, were just finally getting up and going, this ain't working. You know, I'm going home. I've been here nine days. It's just not going to happen. And I just wonder if, if they had any, any conversation about that at any time. We don't know. But just knowing human nature, 120 people, that there weren't some thinking, you know, did we get this right? Nine days. And it hadn't happened. Anyways, I, I suspect that it's possible at least that someone probably had to get up, get up and remind them. Remember what Jesus said before? You know, really assuring us that if we ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he'll give them to us. Remember what he said right before that? Luke 11, verse 5, he says, Suppose one of you has a friend. and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me for, from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answered and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut. My children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Just go away. Verse 9, so I also say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. I can't help but wonder if one of the apostles stood up and said, remember this. Remember this. He's, he, he's going to do it. He's going to do it for sure. We can't, we can't stop. He's going to do it. Amen. He said so. So think about this. They had the promise that if they ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him. They have the promise that they're in agreement in prayer for what they're asking that God will answer. And they have that promise, a third promise. This is like three promises. 
If they're persistent and just keep asking and seeking and knocking, they'll get their answer. And here's where I think so many Christians, particularly in the West, just give up way too soon. Just don't persist. Just don't persist. So passionate praise, unified intercession, persistent prayer. And then this begins a prayer cycle. I just want you to understand this cycle. So they pray. Acts 1.14 is they pray. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They have power. Then we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 get saved. There's ministry. Then Acts chapter 4, we have the first persecution of the church. We have opposition. So we have prayer. Releases the power. Releases ministry. But here comes the opposition. So what do they do next? They go back to the prayer room. Acts, end of Acts chapter 4. Holy Spirit shakes the building. They're filled with the Spirit again. What happens next? More power. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit shakes the building. More power. Then what happens next? More ministry. What should they expect to happen next? Opposition's coming. By the way, this is the normative Christian life. This is a normative experience of those in ministry. That's why if you see someone who's been in ministry for decades and they're still pressing forward, my, I just, my hat's off to them. Because they've gone through that cycle so many times and not quit. Prayer, power, ministry, opposition. What if they say, oh, <laughs> opposition. <laughs> no, we quit. That's what a lot of Christians do, isn't it? Prayer, power, ministry, up. Things are pinned against us, we quit. We're discouraged, we're distressed. And no one taught them, no, 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 that's a sign, that's a normative, that's normal. Go back to the prayer room. Pray some more, keep praying, God pours out more power. There will be more ministry. And guess what, there's going to be more opposition, it's coming. That's normal. In fact, if you're not getting any opposition, you're probably not doing any real ministry. It's normal, expect it. Don't be, dis, don't be dis, you know, disillusioned by it. Don't be discouraged. Don't fret about it. Go back to praying. God will pour out more power. And just keep doing it. Throughout the book of Acts, we see this cycle. So this congregation, I mean, this congregation of people understands who they are. They knew they were chosen by Christ. They knew Christ had revealed himself to them. They know that they were commissioned by Christ. And they know they're promised Holy Spirit power. So here's where we're starting. Do you know these things? Because here is how I think the Lord wants us to close tonight. I think he wants us to close with just really administer time for anyone struggling with that part. And just and really have God just really touch you tonight and really give you the ability to just, just receive the fact that, yes, he chose you. He appointed you. He commissioned you. And so those of you struggling with identity in Christ are struggling with the fact that he really loves you and chose you and wants to use you. If you struggle with that, that's why I think our, our ministry time is going to be two parts. That's one part of the ministry time. Just a moment, you can come up and we're going to pray for you. If that's your struggle, you struggle with God loving you and choosing you and using you. If that's a struggle, don't walk out of here with that struggle. If you struggle with that, let's deal with it tonight and be done with it. I believe God's going to meet people and end that struggle tonight. That you're going, to, you're going to be able to believe this, the depths of your soul, that he loves you, chose you, and appointed you, and wants to use you. So that's one part of the ministry. The second part is some of you are struggling with the lordship of Christ. Now, Acts 5.32 says, uh, says that 
We are witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So part of the ministry time being effective tomorrow is making sure you have surrendered to Christ. That 120 in that upper room were surrendered. Jesus was the Lord of their life. That's another thing. A lot of people think, you know, I'm, I'm, you know they struggle with surrender issues. and They don't finally just say, Lord, I, here I am. My life's a blank check. Spend it any way you want. Or the poker motif, I'm all in for you. Whatever you want, use my life. I mean, that's deep surrender is crucial. So if, if tonight, if you haven't yet done that, then I urge you to come on up, surrender your life, let somebody pray for you. So those are two things I want us to end with. So again, let's all stand and I want to invite the uh, team back up here, worship team back up just to kind of play. But we have some prayer teams that are going to also be praying for you in just a moment. But I want to pray first and then begin to invite you up for those two things. I know a lot of you are hungry to pray about a lot of things, but tomorrow we're, going to, we're trying to get somewhere here. We're on a journey together. But right now we need to make sure we, we take the right steps in this journey. Father, you know exactly who struggles with, you know, feeling like you really believe like you love them and have chosen them, appointed them, commissioned them. Lord, would you just enable this to be a safe place in everybody's mind where they can just be honest and real and be family, be a brother or sister tonight, and not worry about what anyone thinks about them and, and, and make progress. So I pray you just you just speak to hearts now that, that you want to just free up to receive from you, Lord. You want to touch these lives. You want to really bring them through this in a powerful way. And Lord, for those who are struggling with surrender issues, Lord, would you just enable them, Lord, to just be honest and say, Lord, I, I'm struggling, but tonight I just, I'm finally, I'm just ready to say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of fighting this battle. I'm all yours tonight. I'm laying it all down. So I pray for the grace for that as well, Lord. Would you enable people to do that and come fully, fully yours tonight in the name of Jesus. So let me invite you, those of you that in either one of those two areas need prayer, come on up. The first area, again, if you're struggling with whether he loves you or chose you, appointed you, commissioned you, come on up, slip, slip out, come up and just stand up here. And there's nothing to be embarrassed about, guys. We're all in this together. Or if you're just struggling with, you know, tonight I want to really fully surrender, come on up. Quickly, go ahead and slip out.